0: Hello, I'm Jeff Gibson,
1: and I'm Shanna Paxton, and
0: we are the the Movie Movie Lovers. Welcome to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. Uh, This podcast will uh, be a twice-monthly podcast. Each episode, we'll talk about our uh, week in review, move on to the main event, which will be either a main review or a topic of discussion. And finish with film faves, which I'll go through uh, some favorite movies or uh, topic about movies. ours. Uh, it's our list of twelve favorite movies around a particular topic. Um, this week, <clears throat> we're going to rearrange a little bit. Uh, as an introduction, by way of introduction, we're going to get to our main event, which is why podcast. Um, a little bit about I'm going to a little bit about me going back. I started the Gibson Review blog way back around the year 2010. At that time, you know, I'd uh, been always an avid movie viewer, uh, seen hundreds and thousands of uh, movies, and always looked at movies with a critical eye. And people uh, told me, you know, you should be a critic. And I always kind of laughed it off. But eventually, I came to a point in my life when I realized, you know, I should really be doing something that i love what is it i love doing i love um writing and talking about movies so at that point i really thought i'd uh, pursue a career in film criticism little did i know in 2010 that was at least a couple years too late the um the recession hit which really kind of uh led to the, the demise. Of film criticism as being a, a viable career uh, to live by uh, I mean major publications were firing their critics of like 10 20 years you know because no one could afford this so uh, that was bad timing on my part <clears throat> uh, but I, I did do the the blog anyway um, uh, as practicing my writing In terms of uh, sharpening my film criticism and thought and just kind of maintained it uh, up and down over the past several years. It did occur to me during that time I was listening to several podcasts and I thought, oh, you know, how cool would it be to have somebody to talk uh, and do a podcast myself? But, of course, one of the things I always got in my way was, well, who the hell would care what I have to say about movies at all? I care well <laughs> my wife is is kind enough to care but uh beside her and of course you know maybe friends or family you know would anybody else i'm still not convinced you know that anybody would necessarily care or uh, care necessarily even to listen to my voice for over an hour every other week or something well but,
1: i'm gonna talk too i hope you're not gonna hug all the time here yeah?
0: no I, I of course not that's that's oh that's certainly not the case and <clears throat> you're way more likable than me, so people may just may just tune in to listen to what you have to say. But, at any rate, um, I kind of realized I can't really care about that. Just throw caution to the wind. What the hell? Do it for fun. If anybody ends up caring, um, then fine. If not, then fine. Another thing that I was concerned about is, oh gosh, you know, there's all these podcasts um, already being formed you know, is it too late to make a podcast then? And, you know, now, five to seven years later, it's like podcasting is basically like the new radio. That's So to worry about whether or not it's too late to make your own podcast show is probably the stupidest thing you could um worry about it all right
1: yeah you should start breaking down your walls here i mean that's what you're doing
0: yeah yeah so (laughs) and
1: we're just letting everyone know that jeff broke down his walls yay yes
0: so that's that's um what brought me to uh the decision of uh why not why not make a podcast um and then of course uh came to you and um came to you about it and shanna why don't you talk a little bit about uh your part in in this journey?
1: Well, I always grew up watching movies. I didn't get out much because I grew up in South Africa and if there are any South Africans out there, you know that from my generation, you know that our parents were very um, cautious and if uh, borderline paranoia about the safety of their children and themselves because the country was in this tumultuous time. You weren't really sure what was going on day by day. And it was during apartheid, and apartheid only ended when I was seven, but people were still really anxious because they thought that the reverse was gonna happen. Um, But Mandela became president, and Mandela's a peaceful guy, so everything was okay for a couple years. But because of that upbringing, I didn't get out much. I didn't see a lot of women outside of the role of housemaker. My mother would go to work once a week, but she worked for my dad. So it wasn't, you know, I kind of just felt like, oh, well, that's the rhythm. You know, you, Mm. you work at home all the time and then you go into work for the husband. And when I started watching movies, I started seeing very little, but... You know, I was starving, so I noticed all of it. I started seeing different roles that women were playing. I think my favorite was X-Men. Um,
0: what, what, what about, like, a particular character in X-Men? Or? Well,
1: the general idea. Oh. When I saw the cartoon, there were all these different people, and they had different av- abilities.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was even someone from the African continent, <laughs> so I felt represented. Right. Um, so that, was, that
0: person being Storm.
1: Yes, of course. The one yeah. and only. I'm yeah. sure there's others. But that was really exciting for me. And so I wanted to be Storm. I wanted to be the goddess that controlled <laughs> the weather. And her eyes would light up and her hair would be gray. I still want my hair to be gray. But that's what really got me into movies. And as I got older, I was really interested in... The way women were being portrayed by the media because those were my heroes mm. my heroines so i studied that for a while
0: in college or on your in
1: university
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. um i included Watchmen in my thesis mm. um and contrasted it against photographs by annie Leibovitz because she's amazing so That's how I kind of got into movies. That's where the background I'm coming from. And then when I came to America as an au pair, there was this thing happening called the Emerald City Comic-Con. And I was like, wait, there's more than one Comic-Con? Right,
0: because you (laughs) only heard of the San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah,
1: and I knew there was no way I was going to make that work. And coming from South Africa at, like, what, 2011? There was no such thing as... There was maybe one comic book store per main city. Mm. And I had never been to one. Mm. But I loved superheroes. I loved the entire geek culture. So when I saw a Comic-Con was happening, I was like, Oh, let me just get a ticket for all the days. And right. I will like overdose in... I'm going to yeah. totally overdose with like geekiness. Right. And there happened to be this sci-fi speed dating service available. And I thought, oh, well, I might be going home in four months. I wonder if it's even worth it. So I got some information about what it was, went away, thought about it a little longer, and this voice inside me was just, go, go, you've got nothing to lose, you could be leaving the country, you could be staying in the country for another year, and you still would not run into this person because it's not Port Elizabeth, South Africa, the little town where everyone knows everyone. Mm. And so I gave it a try, and then I found you, and I remember other people had also incorporated Watchmen into their thesis, or had some At the speed dating? Yeah, I had talked to people. That was my.
0: You mean when you, when you say thesis, you mean like, uh, in the context of the speed dating? That's that's one of the things that they talk about first.
1: I would talk about it oh, because okay. I'd be like, I'm gonna talk about how serious I am, people.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> I include the stuff in my academia. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. um, then you sat down in front of me. Yeah. And said very interesting things, but one of the most not imp-
0: creepy interesting. the
1: <laughs> no there was only one creeper and all you had to do was say what's Star Trek I don't right, right. I don't
0: That'll, know yeah. it was anyone.
1: great he yeah. was so uncomfortable he was like why are you here <laughs> yeah. getting
0: back to me of course <laughs> getting back to you
1: I asked you because I was craving people who were passionate about movies mm. my family if we had a fight we would quote movie dialogue and that would make the fight less harsh okay so, I didn't have that around me anymore. Right. And so, I thought, well, it's worth a shot asking. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. sounds like a really, like, why wouldn't you ask sooner? But I said, well, do you like movies? And you just about jumped out of your skin because you were like, oh, yeah, I love movies. And I was like, no, you don't. You are such a liar. Right. <laughs> no one's pas- that passionate about movies like I am. And I thought, huh well, what's your favorite one? And you were like, oh, oh, so many, so many. I was like, this guy's just stringing me along. And it, you know, you gave me your contact information and we, I reached out to you and we started talking about different things. But it also took you a while to, and obviously things went well, but it took you a while to figure out that I was just as passionate about it as you, and I didn't well, mind. Yeah, I
0: mean, oh. Um, I didn't mind how
1: you were about movies. Right, right.
0: Uh, what, what, uh, all this basically comes. Did I talk to too is, much? No, no, it's, it's fine. It was only five minutes. Um, uh, what it's all about basically is, though, that we have the same love for our movies and the same level of love for movies, and it, it just um, was um, hard for us to believe we actually found someone, mutually, who felt similarly, right? Just, just to be
1: clear, I got over my thing much quicker than he did. Yes, this is true. I'm just I, saying.
0: Yes, this is true. <laughs> I, uh, I, I probably annoyed her a little bit um, with my <laughs> incredulity. but, um, So anyway, yes, it became our thing, watching movies. And talking about movies and all things movies. Right? Oh, that was
1: the best part is you would ask me what I thought. And mm. nobody cared about what I thought and
0: Before.
1: I Yeah, and I remember I went with a bunch of academic people to watch Avatar and they didn't want to talk about it afterwards. And I was like, But why don't you want to talk about it? I don't understand. Yeah, so it yeah. was very exciting. Being yeah, I've able had to. that
0: experience too. A lot of people, um, you know, they, they ask oh what'd you think and it was like it was all right what do you want to do next um you know whereas I always thought like um you know Keith Phipps it's actually quoted on the the blog itself the Gibson Review um at thegibsonreview.com Keith Phipps of the AV Club at one point said uh that movies should be a lot more than just some flickering lights that uh end with the credits um there should be a dialogue I'm totally paraphrasing what he said, but there should be a dialogue that continues afterwards. Um and especially that's what the, the role of a movie critic is. Not that I am a movie critic, but I always Oh come
1: on, you can give yourself that title. Nah, it's I, okay.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I'm in no way a professional movie critic. But um I always had that mentality. I always wanted to discuss oh, a movie afterwards, what I liked, what I didn't like, and what other people thought as well. And um Neither of us mutually really got that very often until we met each other.
1: And don't get me wrong, I did have that with my brother, but my brother was across the world, so I didn't have that experience anymore. I was right. starved of that experience for probably about, I think it was nine or eight months.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was basically one of the defining things about our relationship over the past several years. Uh, it's something that we do almost every single day or night.
1: Just we have something. a lot of movies. This is true. <laughs> yes,
0: we do. We have a fairly decent collection. I'm sure those people out there have bigger collections than us. Um, I'm not going to say, not going to be too uh, boastful about it. But um, so when it came time to do this podcast, uh, I naturally thought of having Shanna as the uh, as the primary co-host because we talk about movies all the time anyway and we are the movie lovers um we were talking about actually the name what should we name this podcast and um that was one of the the names i spitballed the movie lovers and it seemed to make the most sense because you know we're a married couple that loves movies right um so it definitely had this double meaning to it plus we ever have any other guests on the show you know they can they can be lovers of movies too so it just it seemed to fit perfectly um so uh that's kind of what brought us here so you'll probably on the one hand though i've while i have familiarized myself with podcasts over the past uh, several years i able to organize my thoughts and all these sorts of things with um, my background in in writing and and um and film analysis uh i know fuck when it comes to the technology of podcasting right she my wife is looking at me shocked
1: i didn't know we could swear
0: yeah i like swearing (laughs) she didn't remember that i said we're not going to censor ourselves
1: Uh, my my personality might just change completely now
0: (laughs) (laughs) but no less likable i'm sure as everybody everybody likes you but You'll have to excuse us if, you know, for the first several episodes, there's a little bit of fumbling on, on the, uh, the tech side of it. If our sound quality doesn't sound uh, superb or high-end high or whatever, we're, we're figuring this out as we go. But so bear with us, uh, and we apologize for any issues uh, should, should you encounter any. It's
1: more important to get this out there into the universe it doesn't have to be this piece of utter perfection it will be perfection by episode five i'm sure
0: well that's a really good ethos uh makes for an excellent point you know you uh, as a creative you probably have had to learn this as well uh that at some point you just have to get the thing out there and you can't worry about being a perfectionist about it and constantly all the criticism that you can you can do for yourself on it.
1: Yeah, I learned that from Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. Sometimes you've just got to get it out there. You can't just keep holding on to it. And mm. I've seen projects that I've been holding on to too long, and then all of a sudden someone else did it. So it's it just has to get out there. So please do bear with us. You guys are great. Thank
0: you. Thank you, yes, yes. Um, Okay, so shall we move on? Let's move on to our week in review. Uh, Shanna, what was your week?
1: Well, for the past two months, I've been working very hard on visualization and distracting my subconscious just enough to be able to work. I grew up watching a TV all the time. It was on all the time. But that doesn't work when you're older and The Simpsons is going or something else that's distracting and crazy. So what I found was the window channel network and that is amazing because it's it's like a window. So imagine someone with a camera, they've gone and they've sat by the ocean and they've filmed that ocean waves coming in and out for like five minutes. And then they switch to something else. So it's all these different scenes. It's like scene TV. And is that a good description? You look a little confused.
0: Well, I haven't seen, I'm I'm, um, trying to understand what the window network is. Where do you find it, first of all? Is this on cable?
1: You can go onto the Fire Stick, Mm -hmm. so Amazon, and you'll find it there. And I know that it's free with Prime, but I can't imagine them charging for anything. You can also go to their website windowchannelnetwork.com and you'll find different themed movies essentially you'll find something that's happening in in Hawaii, you'll find the night sky with the ocean and so you hear yeah, so you hear all these natural sounds, Mm -hmm. I started craving it because I started writing my book Mm -hmm. and I realized that if I hear the sound of water and pebbles specifically I'm totally in a productive zone. Mm. So, when I saw that the window channel network was available, I thought, well, let me give it a try. And so, on the dreariest day in Olympia, Washington, um, Hawaii was on my screen. So, everything was okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, we are, uh, we live in Olympia, Washington, uh, which I promise isn't nearly as wet as the movies. Uh- would lead you to believe We're just an hour south of Seattle, by the way.
1: And this year was one of the rainiest years. But yes. yes. So we're just prefacing it with that. And summer is amazing.
0: Right. Yes, summer can be. It's pretty, actually, it's it's spring now, and it's actually fairly nice uh, this week, too. But uh, yes, it can get hard to bear. So it sounds like um, uh, this window channel, which is available on Amazon Prime, Is something that's really helpful for when you're working as background noise. Yes,
1: and when I want to look up and see something pretty, Mm. you know, I don't always want to see the gray clouds. Uh, It loses its charm after about the second or third week.
0: Mm. Okay. So. What else else did you see this past week? Oh, I got
1: to watch the Nancy Drew movie on Netflix. And I know that I sound super excited, but that's because... I cannot read. I mean, I could, but I don't have the time. It's not a high priority for me. If there's a movie, I will watch that. It's just the way I am. This you can the, love it or leave it.
0: Right. This is the Emma, this is a Nancy Drew movie starring Emma Roberts? Yes.
1: Okay. Um, from a couple of years ago. I can't remember the year. But I was always interested in the Nancy Drew books, and I listened to the audiobooks with my host kids for my time – as they're all pair. Mm-hmm. But when I saw there was a movie, I thought, let me give it a try. And it actually takes place in LA. She has a mystery that she wants to solve. And her father's work takes them there for a couple months. Mm-hmm. And of course it's a movie star's death. And how did this happen? Who did it? Why did it happen? Mm. And it's this great mystery. And seeing how strong and intelligent she is, mm. she knows how to do... I don't know what level it would be perceived in america but i know in south africa it's level five first aid so it's kind of advanced first aid
0: okay like so she can uh for example she can uh well i'll tell put you leans on someone with a broken arm no
1: honey that's level one so i was a three? i was a first aider in high school okay so someone at the party gets a peanut has a peanut allergy and they have a reaction and their throat actually closes. And so she does the whole cut the throat in a certain way, stick the ballpoint empty ballpoint pen in there to try and get the air into the lungs. And it was hilarious because of course all the LA kids, and I don't know if all LA kids are like this, but the LA kids in the movie were very judgmental of her old school, um, very caring and growing her knowledge approach to things. Mm. And when they see her do that, then everybody wants to take the course, the first aid course. So that was cool. She also runs into a movie, a movie set. Mm-hmm. Is that what? Is that how I say it? Yeah,
0: it's a movie set. Yeah, you're talking about a scene, a, a film being shot.
1: Yes. Okay. And Bruce Willis is there, and it's really fun. And I can't remember who the director is, but everybody would recognize him and he's reading someone their Miranda rights and she jumps in and says, "Um, excuse me, what year did this take place? No, Miranda rights didn't happen for another six years and Bruce Willis wanted to hire her as a consultant so she has this way of attracting all these fantastic consulting services into her life because she's taken all this time to research and do things herself. Mm. So she's very independent, she's very smart, she's um, really, quite a strong female role model to actually look up to. Nice. So I enjoyed that.
0: So that was uh, Nancy Drew, and where did you find? Uh, where That's you on
1: that? Netflix in the kids section.
0: Excellent. And what uh, did you watch anything else?
1: Yes, I got to watch Stepmom. Now, I have been dying to watch that again. I think the last time I watched it was when I was 20. I was always fascinated with that movie. That's
0: the 1998-ish film with Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon. Yes,
1: what a fun pair of women. I found that at half-price books, so it was going for a dollar. And so I picked that up. And sometimes it's cheaper to buy something from a store like that than rent it mm. because sometimes renting it can cost as much as $4. Um,
0: like particularly renting digitally. Like yes. You know, on Amazon. Yeah, that's totally yeah. true.
1: And sometimes there isn't a standard display version, which if you're not watching something mm-hmm. that is reliant on its environment and visual effects, you don't really need
0: no, high
1: definition. I and I might be – really irritating people right now but I like to save money so but anyway watching stepmom was really interesting it's about someone you know Julia Roberts is about to become a stepmom and she is trying to fit into this new family unit and the kids are trying to fit into this new family unit because the parents are divorced and Susan Sarandon is their biological mom And because there's a teenage girl involved, it's so difficult to have any kind of supportive parental role Mm. because she doesn't, that daughter doesn't want another parental figure in her life. Mm. And I can relate to that a little bit. And the... The Julia Roberts, who becomes the stepmom, is a photographer. And it was really funny watching the technology that they were using. And they were like, oh, we'll just slip this in over here. No, digital photography was not that advanced at that time. No, you're lying. <laughs> yeah, you
0: were telling me about a particular example that sounded quite ridiculous. Uh, did, well, can you... Uh, uh, yeah, it's not much of a
1: spoiler. No. So there is a photo shoot and it's with one of the high luxurious clothing brands and all the girls are dressed in red mm-hmm. there's maybe about seven models there could be more and all of us they've been starving most of the day not being able to eat anything until after the photo shoot and the photo shoot ran late mm-hmm. so the snack guy comes over and the snack guy you know he works in the food industry so he is covered in different kinds of food slip-ups on his clothes. You know, he doesn't look like he fits in with that campaign, is my point. But he has this tray, this beautiful tray of snacks, and they're pretty good looking. So Julia Roberts has this burst of inspiration, Mm -hmm. and she takes the shot with this guy, with this dirty towel on him, with these dirty clothes, and she says, you will thank me later. And an hour, an hour, 60 minutes later, she has fixed a suit from this company onto this man's body and I'm so sorry but the stock image that they used mm. you don't have a stock image like that lying around especially before this digital age right. you know really took off so maybe you'd see something like that now mm. and it took less than an hour no <laughs> no you're lying right,
0: especially for a 19- Technology.
1: And just in case I didn't say anything, I am a photographer. I've been photographing for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I went to university for it. I was one of the first years that focused on digital photography. So mm-hmm. I know what I'm talking about. Right, right. So I was horrified at the same time as amused. Mm-hmm. And I also felt like I had attracted, I love this movie. And anything that you love, you kind of attract into your life. And I felt like maybe I attracted this into my life a little too much because now I am a stepmom and I love my kid, my stepkid. But I was like, did I attract this? Because this feels really close to home. His mom is obviously still around, but it just felt that stepmom role, the photographer role, it just felt really interesting to me. And I love that movie. That's where I first got exposed to Ain't No Mountain High Enough, the song. Ah, so yeah. and I song. love the photography projects that they do. It's I really wish that that was around more mm-hmm. because they incorporate photographs of the kids mm. into a quilt, into a magic a magician's cape. Mm.
0: It's been a long time since I've seen Stepmom. I might have actually only seen it once, and that was around 1999. Or, um, yeah, probably 1999. Uh, so it's been a long time. I remember it being um, slightly uh, a little too sweet or what have you. Um, how did it play for you? Did it seem... Well, Like, emotionally, did it seem like it was manipulative in any way? Or did it it actually play pretty well?
1: You know what? Now that I'm kind of in this situation, I feel like this was a pretty good depiction of what a new parental figure into the life of some kids would look like. Mm -hmm. The mom was very threatened. The mom... This woman, unfortunately, had no experience with kids, Mm -hmm. um, Julia Roberts' character. And... Susan Sarandon's character really laid into her about that and made life really difficult for the stepmom. So I feel like it's one depiction that can happen in reality. I don't feel like it was too sweet at all. At times it was rather uncomfortable because I could relate to the uncomfortableness. Mm. So yeah, that was Stepmom, and I highly recommend it. Um, especially if you are a stepmom, go ahead and check that out. <laughs> it's um, an interesting view.
0: Excellent. And, um,
1: and what did you watch?
0: Okay, well, I saw a, a few things. The first thing I, I want to talk about is uh, in my weekend review, it started with a mini series that is currently on Netflix streaming called. The 80s. It's by CNN. It's the third in a series of miniseries that they have uh, created. I think they've been releasing one every year, uh, starting with the 60s. And all of them are fantastic. Uh, and most especially, uh, the score, the theme song. I don't know the person's name off the top of my head. I'll try to look it up right now. But, um,. It is probably the best theme song on any TV show I have heard in a long time. Uh, And it's the kind of thing that sticks in your mind, you know? Um, You get stuck in your head and you end up humming it later. Oh, Um, yeah. So uh, I really dig that quite a bit. But more interestingly, like every episode, it um, focuses on a particular topic that helps define that decade, right? So in, in the case of the 80s, it starts with talking about television at that time and how, um, how much it changed and took a step forward in a lot of different ways. That's
1: our jam. <laughs>
0: that's, that's our jam. Um, but, like, uh, you know, talking about how sitcoms were considered to be dead once M.A.S.H. ended, and then came shows like Cheers and uh what do you call uh, the cosby show and the, the different depictions of family that was represented you had the cosby show which was really wholesome and sweet and you know he had a comedic way of being able to demonstrate he being bill cosby how to be a good parent i mean he was like mm. America's like dad at that time right mm. uh, but then you have like roseanne who was definitely, like, this blue-collar, loud and body, and kind of tough love sort of uh, depiction of family. That's my jam. <laughs>
1: Everybody will be happier if I get to be like Roseanne in my parenting.
0: <laughs> um, and so then you have also uh, uh, taken it a step further. You had married with children, which really felt like it was, like, this miserable, particularly the dad, Al Bundy, like this miserable dad who's surrounded by these people in his house that drive him nuts, um, you know, the kids and the mom or his wife I should say. It's um, almost
1: like if you took the Jetsons and turned it into something real you'd maybe get married with children. <laughs> maybe, yeah. I, I, don't <laughs> I keep remember. thinking of the wallet, you know, he hands everyone a piece of money and then the wife gives him the paper Money uh, and takes the wallet, <laughs> and then he goes and sits miserably at work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. So, oh, Blake Neely is the uh, composer of the theme music to to the, this series. Uh, he also did a lot of the more recent superhero themes, um, none of which I necessarily remember. But like Arrow, The Flash, all those DC TV shows, he's done the theme to those. Um, but anyway. So you have an episode talking about the eighties or the not the eighties the TV shows of the eighties, and then you have like an episode that talked about uh, the development of technology during the eighties. And you know, I was born you know near the beginning of the decade, and I feel like those first ten years of your life, you're really just kind of experiencing life. You're not really thinking uh, much or aware necessarily of the. new things that are coming into the world uh, during that time, and it was really cool and interesting, being an adult, and looking back, basically having something point out to you, no, before your life started, there was no such thing as answering machines. Um, Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, Uh, (laughs) there was, there was, uh, the personal computer didn't exist before the 80s, per se, you know, it was... It was a, a refrigerator sized thing, you know. And I remember, in, in terms of the personal computer, I am old enough to remember how unuser friendly computers were back then. Because you have to think this is before. Uh, You had Microsoft Office, or Windows, I should say. Yes. You know, before you had operating systems, so everything was code and command that you had to learn.
1: Was that with the green-lit screen?
0: Yeah, like a green-lit screen or um, a black or a blue screen. It all depended on the monitor um, I think we had a
1: computer like that for a bit. Yes,
0: yeah, so... but
1: nobody wanted to use it because of the coding.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> so somebody know,
1: I... should have jumped on coding camps back then already.
0: Well, you know, well that's that's where I just blanked on one of the most uh, world famous men. Um, uh, his name. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Alrighty then. Yeah. it's a
1: good thing you have me. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's pretty <laughs> stupid. But that's where Steve Jobs came in because. He uh, was able to recognize, being the marketer that I was, that there's a huge uh, gap in between the people who are creating computers and their knowledge and the people that they are creating computers for. That sounds like your dad, too. (laughs) Sort of. Uh, Yeah, I mean, my, my dad. And I was fortunate for this, actually, and one reason why... To a degree it didn't feel like too much of a challenge because I grew up in an environment where people kinda knew a little bit about technology and they were able to understand all that sort of stuff, or at least that was his job to understand mm-hmm. these sorts of things. Um so it may have been over my head but it wasn't for other people in my family. But anyway, Steve Jobs kinda came in and recognized this. And that's you know where you got the Macintosh and other things being developed and stuff that. And I actually, I hated the Macintosh. Um, I well, hated, you, I always you are hated not Apple. the biggest fan
1: of Apple. No, I wasn't gonna no, I, say hate, but right. okay, you. Later yeah, out there. I never I never
0: liked. We let's see when the Macintosh came out. This is how big a thing it was. All of a sudden, uh, Macs were in every school every classroom or what have you or at least in the library. That must have been a great
1: sale day. (laughs) I'm sorry I can't (laughs) can't help but think of that. (laughs) uh,
0: So I got to experience what the interface on the Mac was and it just kind of drove me nuts compared to what I was experiencing at home Wait, wait,
1: you got exposed to the Mac at what
0: age? It was definitely in grade school sometime.
1: Oh poor boy. Yeah. I only got exposed to Mac when I hit my second year of university.
0: Okay, well, you know, different <laughs> countries and everything. But my point is, I um, First is world
1: problems. From, yeah,
0: well, aside from pointing this out, my, my uh, general point is, I remember, I remember what this was, uh, what this was like, what they're talking about at this time, and mm-hmm. then it's interesting to have it reflected back to you. Um, it's a really great series uh i can't I can't uh, talk it up enough there's eight episodes each e- seven of those eight episodes are about different aspects of of the decade and so definitely check that out. That's on Netflix streaming uh, I also saw oh yes, I saw the power Rangers on its opening weekend, <laughs> which. So I, I
1: think you should talk about what it was like watching the trailer for that.
0: Well okay I'll, I'll go back further. I hated the Power Rangers. I, mm-hmm. they came out honestly I was too old when they came out you know for their target audience because uh, I was 16, 17 or something like that mm. but you know Power Rangers TV show basically you take. Japanese footage of its kaiju TV shows or whatever. (laughs) Uh, I can't remember what the original show was called. And then you make new footage in Hollywood and you combine the two, right? So, to me, it just looked terrible. The characters and everything were just awful. I
1: think, Um. for, just real quick, I think for girls in South Africa, it was really great to see two girls Mm. in a group of powerful superheroes essentially they weren't necessarily superheroes but they had these fantastic roles
0: yeah well and they, they, i guess you could say they are superheroes i don't know why you wouldn't but anyway i hated the tv show right <laughs> you know it you, it was just terrible so when the trailer for this movie came out
1: Ooh, can i looked- explain our description of it sure go ahead it was we thought it was going to be an action remake of the breakfast club
0: kind of well i mean that's how the trailer starts out right mm-hmm. at first i was like what the hell is this a remake of the breakfast club and then of course the trailer continues and it looks it's very clear it's not jeff's
1: face was hilarious mm-hmm. his jaw was on the floor it was well, so funny
0: that's because it actually looked like it could be good
1: oh yeah it looked good
0: and i did not expect that was possible from this property so i checked out the movie and you know what? It's actually not bad.
1: Who made it? Which studio company made it?
0: Um, I do not know, actually. Um, I would guess, but I would hate to be wrong.
1: Okay, well, we'll come back with that.
0: Yeah. So the, the thing is, um, what was really surprising about it is they really tried to ground the story, first of all, um, in a sort of believable reality. And that actually isn't too surprising when you learn um, that it's written by the screenwriter of flight uh, the uh, 2012 I think it is Denzel Washington movie about the alcoholic pilot Um, if you've seen that imagine that kind of uh, storytelling paired with Power Rangers and you get an interesting mix Um, Oh, Lionsgate. And of course, Saban is the creators of uh, Power Rangers. Looks like Lionsgate um, uh, helps distribute uh, and produce uh, this movie.
1: It's interesting to see how that affects the making of a film.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I don't know to what extent Saban had in in terms of being, you know, uh, what their creative process was with it, what their vision for it was. But basically. the way they decided to go about it is, you have these different teenagers who barely even know each other at all, and they have they come to the movie with their own shit. They all have baggage, <laughs> right? Like maybe one is a kind of a loner because she's always moving from town to town, so she never. Is that because
1: their family's in the military?
0: Um, I can't. <laughs> it's possible, but I can't remember. Okay. In, all, in all honesty, I was she moves curious. like. She moves from year to uh, eve every year to a different town, but uh, more importantly, she doesn't ever make any connections with anybody um, because she knows that she's just going to be leaving. Or, you know, one guy is a kind of a sports hero, and he just, you know, he has great prospects in college and all this sort of stuff, and he just blows it and becomes a huge disappointment to his parents, right? So, um, and then you have other people... Oh, that sounds
1: interesting to me. Now you've got my attention. (laughs) Yeah, right?
0: And then, but more interestingly, you have another who's actually autistic, and he's on the autism spectrum, and he's never a way... Like, the movie never judges him in any way. It never over-sympathizes with him. Um, It just lets
1: him be him. Yeah, exactly.
0: exactly. That's important. And that's um, really interesting and surprising. You just have these characters who they don't really know each other they all have their own baggage and they all uh, but they all experience something together right and because of that <clears throat> uh they end up having to be in a situation where they have to learn to uh get along and work together as a team
1: group projects
0: um <laughs> kind of actually i that aspect of it really felt to me like the Teenagers Avengers, you know, um, where everybody has these uh, uh, different personalities and they clash a little bit, but they have to work together to actually care about each other and work together as a team. Right. So all of that is surprisingly um, cool and good. It's not amazing. It's not, you know, it's, you're not going to ever see Power Rangers in the top twenty list of superhero movies or anything like that. But it is not awful, and I think that's that's worth mentioning.
1: Well, I think you should never say that it won't make it. It's it's possible that they could refine it in such a way that it could get up to the top twenty.
0: Well, you, you might be you're talking about sequels, right? Yeah. Who knows? Well, okay, Maybe. they but I'm they're... talking about this movie, this particular uh-huh. movie. It's just, a, it's just a decent um, superhero movie. It's not garbage. It's not I'm bad. I'm just
1: saying, don't put up walls around movies. Yes, <laughs>
0: yeah. But But uh, I was going to say also, um, oh, the, the only thing that's a problem with the movie is, you know, you have this really, you have this tone overall, right, that's kind of grounding the movie and it's kind of fun. And it stays pretty consistent, but then you have, like, little moments. And, like, seriously, they're, like, moments in the movie that feel more like leftovers from a version of the script um, that was closer to the original TV series. Okay. Like, you'll get a shot of the entire team in their armor, like, walking up into frame, you know? Like the frame will be the the shot will be fixed and they'll be walking up steps or. So they're using,
1: they are using compositions from the TV show.
0: Well, I I don't know about that. I'm just saying this one particular moment uh, was an example as well as another moment late in the movie where um, they all of a sudden start playing like a 15 second clip of the original TV series uh, theme song. And it, when, oh, gotcha. when these happen, it's just like, it's just so cheesy, it stands out, and you're like, whoa, what the hell? Well, I think you
1: know? it's I think it's interesting that you find it cheesy because I'm sure that the fans are probably completely geeking out.
0: Well, yeah, and that's, and that's definitely true because there are some fans behind me who are, like, flipping out. Uh, even, uh, I, I won't spoil anything, but there is, like, a mid-credits tease or something like that um that that really got fans excited behind me oh that's awesome sure and there's nothing wrong with necessarily um fan service but it definitely felt like it was fan service at the expense (laughs) of of the general tone of the film and so yeah it was it was a good film a surprisingly decent film but uh, that was that was the one issue that I had. With it for the most part, and Elizabeth Banks plays the the villain, and she's not as awful or ridiculous as the um, the TV show version of that villain. Or like one. But of she's the definitely like chewing scenery. What was that?
1: One of the movies from my childhood. Oh, I. Because I, I there were sure. movies, or they at least came that way to South Africa.
0: Yeah, I think there was one theatrically it was like released ooze movie. Ooze or something. It was like huh? at huh? the. Peak of the TV show's popularity way back then. Gotcha. Um, But I didn't. I I didn't watch that. But this one, Power Rangers, not too bad. Um, uh, So also, I watched um, recently with my son. uh, We rewatched the Incredible Hulk, and that was Ah. interesting. Um, So this is the two thousand eight Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton as Bruce Banner. If you don't recall because it's been nine years now oh that's
1: so long
0: yeah this was the second movie in the marvel cinematic universe series right oh
1: quick who was the first
0: well iron man right (laughs) so and then they both came out the same year you had the kind of one-two punch of iron man setting everything up and then you had that that um post-credit tag where Nick Fury comes to Tony Stark and he mentions the Avengers initiative and everybody in the audience flips out, you know? <laughs> and then you have Incredible Hulk, which um, was helping lay the groundwork. And was,
1: so in South Africa, in the yeah. cinema, no one flipped out because I don't think many people knew what that was referring to. Mm. Um, and I'm just saying that was my cinema experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Someone that else... makes sense if there wasn't much in the way of yeah. comic shops. So
1: that's just really interesting that people mm-hmm. were geeking out. I thought people only geeked out after the first Avengers movie. So.
0: Oh, I'm sure there was some of that too, but no. Um, comic fans went and saw these movies and flipped out. So it was interesting watching the movie. First of all, I have to say, The Incredible Hulk has one of the best opening title sequences oh yeah of the entire series and it does something that I've only seen done I think in spider-man 2 was the only other time I've seen this done which is it essentially recaps the origin of the character in mm. this case it, it does so with um, Edward Norton as the character but it's just a really kind of cool acknowledgement and catch up um that they did because previously in 2003 there was a hulk movie which isn't officially tied to this whole series but it was kind of a clever way to acknowledge yes five years ago we've been here you know now you know what it was essentially mm. um and kind of it kind of reframes it a little bit differently but um okay. it, you know the whole gist of eh, gamma radiation hulking so on and so forth um it was just really cool. Credit sequence. And I don't think there's been any movies in the series that has had as clever or cool a credit sequence. Uh, Can you think of any?
1: You know, I think there's so many at this point. We would have to have, like, a weekend marathon of all of them.
0: Mm. To jog your memory. Just to jog your memory on the Just to jog
1: my memory. (laughs) I mean, I think I know Ultron pretty well. Age Uh of Ultron. Yeah. But that's actually a fun podcast episode. We should do that. Well, we have a weekend marathon and um, rank them
0: <laughs> well uh, I, there will definitely be a degree of that coming down the line with the guardians of the galaxy volume oh out.
1: my word so keep an
0: eye out on a future episodes. never
1: mind anything them. else we're right? just gonna be like guardians all the time
0: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that was really cool and i have to say uh as much as i like mark ruffalo and as much as I feel like Hulk is uh, was proven to be best served as a supporting character when Mark Ruffalo came on,
2: hmm.
0: as a like character on his own, this is probably the best version of The Incredible Hulk. Um, I like the look of the Hulk in this movie. Marvel, after its mistake with the 2003 version, which was a really tried hard to sell the emotional and the mental um, aspects of the story. Um, it didn't deliver in any way on the action except you had mutated poodles, which was ridiculous.
1: Oh, I don't um, even remember that.
0: Yeah, yeah, don't, don't remember it. Um, just ignore <laughs> it. But uh, 2008, uh, Marvel wanted to really undo that mistake by having as much action as possible, and this does it. You get to see Hulk Hulk out. The only thing that I wish they actually did was I remember in the comics uh, at least for a time anyway one of the aspects of the Hulk is the matter he gets the bigger he gets and the stronger he gets and well isn't
1: there a limit what's it I like in the comic I books
0: um, well I only read the comics for like a year or two when I was growing up but um, that's one of the things I remember and the movies definitely don't have that at all but whatever it's it's fun um interestingly enough also i asked my son afterwards you know what did you think of the movie how does it how does it stack up and and he he said his initial re- actual reaction was eh you know oh and i think that's a fair response to the uh, movie okay. when you take into consideration everything else that came after right Like, The Incredible Hulk (laughs) is not among the top five in the whole series, right? Mm. It's not, I wouldn't say it's the worst, um, I think it gets kind of a bad rap, but it's probably in the bottom five, you know? So
1: anyone who's starting their kid off with this series needs to start from the beginning?
0: Oh, well that's a completely separate issue, yeah, I mean...
1: I know, I'm opening a big can of worms here.
0: Yeah, I mean, the way that series is constructed, you can't cherry pick, uh, because you know there's all these story elements and stuff Yeah, everything's kind of layered. Yeah, there's very few of those movies that actually but stand out separate on their own.
1: I guess my question is would you have someone go through all those movies? Yes. Okay.
0: Um definitely. I think in terms of the big picture, Incredible Hulk's probably one of the most expendable because
1: Oh, that just doesn't make sense to me visually though.
0: Well, that's really funny. Well the reason why I say that is you could take that movie out of the entire series gotcha. and it doesn't affect the overall series that much, really. actually probably not even at all. because even though um, it, it has its own tease with Tony Stark uh, to, that tries to like make it a part of this big picture, you know, it's not that essential. You know what I'm
1: saying? I now hear what you're saying, yes. Yeah,
0: so it is, like, the most expendable of the series, Mm -hmm. Um, so you could skip over it if you were so inclined. Like, you could skip
1: episode one, two, and three of Star Wars. Not a problem.
0: (laughs) Your face just
1: short-circuited. Just go from Rogue One and on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and that's a whole other conversation. But anyway...
1: I'm just getting people fired up and thinking.
0: (laughs) So that's my week in review. Uh, But also... You and I have seen a movie together. Let's talk about this movie we saw together, 20th Century Women.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. So this
0: is uh, last year's movie by Mike Mills, um, previously uh, directed 2011's Beginners. Uh, So this movie stars Annette Bening, Greta Gerwig, uh, Elle Fanning, and a couple other people that I'm uh, forgetting about. Oh, uh, and um, Annette Benning stars as a mom who has a teenage son, she's a single parent, and um, she's trying to figure out basically how to to raise and, and deal with the day-to-day with her son.
1: Well, and I wouldn't say deal because she's definitely not one of those parents that's trying to control her kid. She really is trying to let him experience things and make choices for himself. Mm. So it's more like she's trying to figure out how to support him, how to hold him um, in a way that's beneficial for him becoming an adult man.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's definitely not a helicopter parent, and I think there's a lot of lessons that could be gleaned from uh, from this woman's parenting style. She's
1: definitely interesting to watch. And, you know, you hear about all these different parent archetypes. And she's definitely one that I admire. Mm,
0: what do you admire about
1: her? Oh, gosh. Well, like I just said, she's not trying to contain her son. And what's wonderful about this movie is she starts asking the girl that's renting a room from her and the girl that is very good friends with the boy, who's 15, by the way.
0: Right. Played, uh, the, these two women, played by Greta Gerwig and Elle Fanny, respectively. Mm-hmm.
1: She asks for their advice, their support, in supporting him. Mm-hmm. And at first, it's a little... You look, you look at their faces, and they're a little, perhaps, worried about giving him support. Mm. But the mom is really wanting him to have real exposure to women of this time, because so much was happening for women during that time in the 70s.
0: Well, I don't know, I don't know that I got that much of her decision making was about or in response to anything in particular happening for women at that time.
1: She came from a very different age.
0: She did, Mm -hmm. and remember, this is 1979. The movie takes place in 1979, so my understanding is this is really um, just after the um, uh, women's liberation, uh, which happened a few years uh, before, and so it doesn't really factor in a whole lot into the story.
1: She feels very. I'm going to clarify. She, Mm -hmm. I believe, Mm -hmm. how they've portrayed her Mm -hmm. and how she has portrayed the character is that she feels a little disconnected from society because she's she had him when she was 40, and now it's 15 years later. Right. So she feels like she doesn't have anything useful to give him, which is why she seeks these girls' advice yeah. and support. And the photographer who is played by...
0: Uh, Greta Gerwig.
1: Again, we have a photographer. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, she is fairly academic with her photography. So you'll see little bits and pieces of very important female literature that came out during that decade. You'll see right. Susan Sontag's On Photography. Mm-hmm. You'll see which one of her chapters, The Heroism, the, I believe it's called The Heroism of Vision, mm-hmm. The Vision of Heroism, something along that line, okay. um, talks about how a photograph lies. But this how a photograph...
0: This is in Susan book. Yes,
1: and how a photograph tells the truth. So mm-hmm. you've got that interpretation coming in. Mm-hmm. And then this character also gives him, I think it's Our Bodies, Ourselves, which was the first book made by women for women to help them understand their biology. Mm-hmm. Women were only being told about their biology from male doctors. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest here, the female anatomy is incredibly complex mm-hmm. and they're coming out of this time of fear of their bodies mm-hmm. into a, no, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like there were these beautiful little elements around mm-hmm. helping. It makes sense to me that the mom was a little out of touch because well, so much had changed.
0: Well, okay, but I think that's that's something that Greta Gerwig's character is, is really the one... That is able to bring to the table. Uh, she definitely has like a, a gender studies aspect and feminism aspect uh, to her, and she's the one that influence is that influence. Um, and I don't want to get into too many uh, specific details in the movie, um, but uh, and and but there is that. That's really her role in it, and it's Elle Fanning who's like. She plays a character who's a couple years older than the son, and she's someone who is being more active sexually, and a little sexually precocious, and such. And um, she's really like, I think she grew up with the the son character, and so they have like a yeah. tight bond. They're not; they've never they've always been platonic in their friendship, uh, but uh, they've always been there for each other. Uh, essentially and then so she's kind of this person who's like a a confidant and is able to see things that the mom would never see right about her teenage son well
1: and that's what's so scary about that period of your son's life you just don't know him anymore Mm. because it's like this kind of what do you call it like a Bermuda Triangle age Hmm. where you're not really sure what's going to happen.
0: Well, I think actually one of the things, I think this is in the trailer, so it won't give anything away. Um, at one point, Annette Bening, she says to Elle Fanning's character, you, um, and maybe it's Greta Gorick's character, I can't remember which one. Um, she says, I will never know my son. Um, you get to see who he is in the real world. And I think that's um, that really hit on something that was very interesting. That's a re- real al- reality about parents <clears throat> is after a certain point, as they grow up, you lose that that sense of understanding of who this child is as a person, and you never are able to get that back.
1: Well, I think you're never fully able to get it back i think you get glimpses Mm -hmm. every now and again if you are a present parent
0: yeah
1: um yeah so that's it was very interesting and seeing her role as a mother at the age she was she even mentions how everybody was telling her how can you have a child at the age 40 which in actual fact it's got nothing to do with anyone really um, that is her choice, mm. that is her body, sure. that is her trying to have a child, sure. leave her be and support her. Mm. Um, then you had, is it Greta Gerwig? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: You had her, she was this artist trying to figure out who she was, mm-hmm. who what she could be, what mm-hmm. she could photograph that was meaningful, mm-hmm. and trying to understand other artists too. But she wasn't this airy-fairy artist. She was a very academic artist.
0: No, actually, I think uh, one of the things I want to say is, uh, first of all, everybody praised the hell out of Annette Benning's performance, and they, as well they should have, because oh, yeah. uh, she's fantastic in it. But I really think Greta Gerwig did not get enough, enough credit for her performance in this film. I feel like she is one of the most interesting characters in the, in the movie. You know, mm. she's, um, she's... She's going cool. through so much. Well, she's... Okay. So, she's... On the one hand, she's really cool, and there's something really kind of sexy about her coolness, but she's also got, like, some shit going on that she's dealing with, too, um, which I, mm. I don't know that it's necessarily revealed in the first 20 minutes of the movie, so I won't, I won't say what that no, is. No, it isn't, but... So, I won't I won't go into that or say what <clears> it <throat> is. Um, it definitely adds... Uh, a layer to this character that definitely helps Greta Gerwig is able to really bring uh, something to that performance because of this element of that character and uh, she, I thought she was just fantastic and, and probably the best performance I've seen her in so far.
1: I did I did enjoy her performance and you know also seeing a promiscuous teenager who I think she lost her virginity at 15. 14, I don't yeah. I don't think that that's like really giving away much woman through different phases of their lives, mm-hmm. all under one roof. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting seeing how the teenage boy was absorbing all of that and observing it. And it's going to have a profound effect on how he's going to treat women because he was exposed to these different versions. Mm-hmm. And... I just really loved this film.
0: Yeah, um, I was really surprised how much I, I liked it, too. I found it, n- n- not only was I at no point ever bored by it, but I really found it to be touching at times, too, and uh, it, it, it moved me a little bit. So, uh, was there anything else you wanted to add about the movie? Oh, I just loved
1: how they did the storytelling. It always was coming, each character takes a moment to narrate
0: yeah, about
1: each other.
0: Mm. About themselves, typically, right?
1: No, they, they take turns talking about the other one. Yeah. So the mom talks about the son, and the son talks about the mom, and, you know, the other mm. characters get incorporated.
0: Well, that device, and I, and I should say that when that happens, the movie will cut to different kinds of imagery it won't and that imagery is not necessarily particular to the character and it reminded me of beginners this is very similar to beginners if you've seen that movie and you remember how it cuts to different things with narration over it you'll you'll get more of that with 20th century women and Oh, I thought it worked out really well and was uh, really quite interesting.
1: It was my first time being exposed to that kind of storytelling, mm. and it was so lovely hearing characters talk about each other in such a compassionate, objective, loving way, mm. which is an interesting combo. I don't mm. think you get that combo very often. Mm. I know that if you talk about your own son, your own child that you look after, whatever, whoever you talk about, it's sometimes hard to be objective so it was very interesting to see them doing it so successfully.
0: Oh yeah, if you've seen uh, Beginners, which I thought we had watched together a year or two ago, um, then you'll get some of that uh, kind of device in it. Um, so that's the 20th Century Women. It is brand new uh, on the rental market. Uh, I believe you can find it to rent on amazon video you can find almost any movie to rent on amazon video um, otherwise it's at your dvd dispensaries uh near you
1: and i think it does go cheaper if you have it at a dvd dispensary
0: yes yeah, but i also it's...
1: understand the convenience of digital
0: right it's like a dollar fifty anyway all right so let's move on to uh film faves now every week Uh, We will be talking about our favorites, our 12 favorites uh, of a particular year or related topic. We will be marching through the years, one by one, over time. And we always, this was a compliment to a a feature that I used to have on the Gibson Review, uh, where I marched through time with my 12 favorites, why 12 favorites? Well, most lists, they have your 5 or 10, top 10, and then they have a couple honorable mentions. Well, forget that. No honorable mentions. You could basically look at number 12 and 11 of these lists as your honorable mentions. But So we have always a dozen movies that are our favorites. So this year, or this episode, I should say, we're starting with the year 2016. Shanna, would you like to go first with your number 12 favorite movie of 2016?
1: So I guess one of my favorites, perhaps the 12th favorite, I don't really have them in numerical order, but I would probably put Civil War in there.
0: Captain America Civil War?
1: Yes. And... I think one of the best geek out moments I had during that film was when Black Panther was speaking to his father at the, a sort of United Nations mm. event, yeah. um, totally going to irritate the geeks for not knowing all the terms, but I was listening to them speak their language and because being from South Africa you get exposed to about 12 to 16 different Ubuntu languages. Mm-hmm. I heard him speaking a language that I'm very familiar with, which is isiXhosa, spoken in the Eastern Cape, where I'm from. And I was like, no, is this real? And he said another sentence. I was like, oh my God, he's speaking Kosa. <laughs> it was so exciting. Screw everything else that was happening. It doesn't matter what Ant-Man became. It doesn't matter that we got to see Spider-Man for the first time and he was geeking out about everyone. I totally flipped out because there's nothing better than coming from a country that isn't America or one of the, you know, countries you hear about all the time. And then you hear your country that yeah. you came from being mentioned and it's like, it puts you on the map, man. So I think that was probably one of my favorite parts. I also, yeah,
0: when you, when you told me that, Oh, I couldn't shut up
1: after that. <laughs>
0: well, it, when you told me that, it was actually really kind of cool, and it lends this authenticity to these these people from this nation, supposedly African nation, Wakanda. You know, so mm-hmm. um, it, it just added to that realism and uh, building that reality. So I thought that was a really cool touch. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a cool moment.
1: I've always felt like that language was the one I wanted to know best mm-hmm. because it's so much fun. There's so many. Different kinds of sounds like that. That's yeah. their phonograms. So go figure that one out. Right. Yeah, I, I
0: certainly can. <laughs> uh, was there anything else you want to say about that? one?
1: No. And I also thought the bad guy was written pretty well. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm good on yeah, Civil War. Yeah, Daniel
0: Brühl was awesome. My number twelve is Scene Street. Um, oh. Which was from the uh, from Joe Carney, uh who's the director of Once. And he did a, a, another movie called Begin Again with Kira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo. I didn't think that movie worked as well um, as once did. But I really liked uh, Scene Street quite a bit. It's, it's uh, basically about a, a bunch of teens in, who go to a private school together in Ireland, I believe, um, in the 80s. And
1: Oh, I don't believe it was a private school. There were too many kids there. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's not... It gen- seemed like a
0: boys' school.
1: Coming from a, a, a slightly colonialized British country, mm-hmm. yeah. that's generally not... Generally, every school wears a school uniform. Okay. And just because it's a boys' school doesn't mean it's a private school.
0: Okay. Well, at any rate, it's it's um, basically about these teenagers, and one in particular, and, and um, they're greatly influenced by the music of the time which includes like The Cure and I think The Smiths and and bands like that and it is so good Uh, the music especially I mean that's one of the things when you have a a movie about musicians is you gotta make the music good and not everybody succeeds in doing that but um, Joe Carney definitely succeeded here uh, with Scene Street and i think to a degree it's surprising how much you kind of care about and get wrapped up in in the endeavors of these teenagers and you know there's this cool girl who's kind of off on the side that mm. gets roped in to helping them out and um
1: and it's all to get the girl well, you, <laughs> i'm you, kidding you, it's not all that but it, it, uh, I
0: think they just touch on it a bit an element of it but mm-hmm. um you definitely kind of can't help but feel for that guy and be like oh yeah she's cool like yeah you know, you know why wouldn't you want to go out with her and all that sort of stuff or you know wouldn't it be cool if you you won her over by being um this band and just including her in your music videos or whatever you totally get wrapped up in, in that element
1: right? i think it was a, a really interesting depiction of a cool kid versus yeah. some other movies that really glorify the cl- cool kid and i bet there's some interesting things
0: yeah, but, Under I mean, that, by like, cool kid though, she's not like popular or anything like that. She just like um, she oozes she's cool to someone like me, you know? Right? <laughs> she
1: oozes coolness, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's my number okay. twelve, Scene Street, uh, which is available on um, uh, Netflix streaming. Which, by the way, um, we're going to, uh, when we can. We're going to let you know if any of these movies are available to stream. Almost any movie you, can f- you, you look for, you can find on Amazon uh, Video uh, to rent. Um, so we're primarily focusing on Amazon Prime, Netflix, uh, and Hulu as um, subscription services. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's otherwise way too many uh, streaming services out there. Um, I'm so this,
1: grateful so. for those streaming services, though. Yeah, yes. um, Anyway, and you're number 11. Well, just to quickly back up, Civil War, I think we watched that via DVD, and we've got the Disney Movie Anywhere app. So mm-hmm. when you buy that DVD, you have the digital version as well, which is nice for me. Um, 11, you're going to love this because Jeff doesn't know what's on my list.
0: No, we don't. We didn't consult each other on our lists.
1: We like to be independent. Yeah. But we're but we're in a relationship. Right. <laughs> it is Ten Cloverfield Lane. Ah. Mm-hmm. And Jeff was trying really hard to get me to watch this. At which will happen sometimes. He'll be like, No, you really trust me, please trust me, this is going to be great, and I'm like, I don't want to be scared and he's like, it's not scary it's thrilling, and it really is bite your nails, thrilling
0: yeah, and to clarify, you've never even seen Cloverfield uh, no, I had not before you watched 10 Cloverfield Lane Mm -hmm. this was just an impression that you got from the trailers that it was going to be a scary movie or something, right?
1: yeah, um, Yeah. you know, John Goodman is Mm -hmm. such a great actor Mm -hmm. he can appear funny Mm -hmm. But when he appears scary to me, that's like when he is that character was really scary for me Mm. because I would come across that sometimes. I'm not saying I'd be kidnapped, but I'd come across (laughs) (laughs) I'd come across men like that who had that energy to them, had that vibe of, you know, if you were to make one wrong move, things could go really bad for you Mm. really quickly. And I, so I really enjoyed that. And I would actually recommend if people haven't seen either Cloverfield movie, I'd actually say start with 10 Cloverfield Lane.
0: Yeah, John Goodman he's yeah, he's really good at being ambiguously creepy.
2: Oh, so <laughs> um, good.
0: Like, I don't, don't want to give anything away in the movie, but you're not really sure whether or not to trust him and... He's really great about about that. Um, there might be more to be said about clover Cloverfield Lane as we get on this list. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, my number 11 is uh, Bad Moms.
1: That's your number 11? That's
0: my number 11. Uh, it is probably, just really quickly scanning my list, it is probably the comedy of 2016. I would agree um, with that. I I know it didn't do... um, I don't think it did really, really well. I don't think it was a huge hit, and I don't think um, it did bananas in terms of critical reception either. Um, But it was somewhere right in the middle for both uh, box office and critical reception. And I'm not even sure, really, if there was a comedy last year that really took off. But um, Bad Moms Mm. is the one movie that I saw that I thought was as close to being a solid hilarious just awesome comedy as as we could have gotten last year christina Applegate's character is probably the (laughs) weakest link for me because um
1: well someone has to be weak
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like just the character is probably the weakest like the least developed and kind of contrary to uh, what ends up happening to her i should say is kind of contrary to the whole thesis of the movie but
1: oh i don't know
0: why well, I, I, I had some issues there at any rate um <laughs> mila kunis i mean come on oh um, i love her so uh,
1: much geez. such a girl crush yeah well
0: yeah <laughs> for me <laughs> definitely crushed and and she's i don't know that i've seen her do any her own in recent years um i will see her in almost anything uh, well, you don't have to mention that movie. <laughs> oh, am um, I breaking? And she the... wasn't the bad. She wasn't. What she was wasn't wrong bad. Her, I
1: think whatever she does, she's amazing. I first yeah. discovered her with Family Guy, oh, yeah. with her voice. Oh, wow. Okay. And then I saw other things, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, you're amazing."
0: She's just always, um, especially in her comedic work, uh, live action work. She's always like cool Uh, always sexy always even when she's just stumbling through life Mm -hmm. you know there's always something irresistible about her so she's great and her supporting cast um is is great i just had a really good time with bad moms and um it's one that i really don't mind watching from from time to time um so that's that's my number 11 what's um
1: well um, i think that one's available again rental
0: Yeah, no, Mm -hmm. it's not uh, available to stream currently.
1: Okay, so my number 10 is A Monster Calls.
0: Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: This was just beautiful. It was such a gorgeous film visually. There's a lot of art and illustration involved Mm -hmm. in it. Yeah. And, of course, I could tell what was going on before they clarified it in the film, in, like, the end of the second act, I guess it was. Yeah, yeah. So I always get, you know, I always feel pumped when I can foresee what's about to come. (laughs) I watched a lot of crime shows (laughs) in my teenagehood. So if I can solve something before they tell me, um, I feel really good about myself. It's a good ego boost. There's no crimes
0: in Monsters Call. No. I get what you're saying. And
1: I love Liam Liam Nearsen's voice. Yeah. is. I feel like it's on the same level as Morgan Freeman, where those two men, if they could just (laughs) get in a room and talk, I would just lose myself. I would be, I would lose my shit.
0: Liam Neeson is a particular monster with a particular set of skills.
1: (laughs) Every time.
0: (laughs) Storytelling skills. Storytelling skills. In this case, Um, anyway.
1: Yeah, so that's all I have to say about A Monster Calls.
0: Very cool. My number 10 is La La Land. Which was the almost ah, best picture uh, winner almost. of last year, uh, notoriously, and all, honestly, it is a great film. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not my favorite of the year, but it is a great film, and it's a, a lot of fun. If you saw it in theaters, I feel like you really treated yourself because it is visually just spectacular. Just the colors, the dancing. It, it has um these little fantasies in it from time to time it harkens back to uh, the a lot of the musicals of the 50s um seeing in the rain oh yeah there's a film that we have to catch up with um burles of sherberg which is apparently a, uh, a heavy influence on it uh, which uses colors and and costuming uh uh really well a lot like we see in la la land but um i thought it was just a lot of fun. The songs were great. Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. Oh gosh,
1: I have a girl crush on Emma Stone oh, too.
0: Come on, <laughs> I mean she's she's absolutely irresistible. And the thing is about her, you watch her, just watch her face. You know, watch what she does with her face. Um, in her performances, even during the song and dance numbers, she does little things with her face that just add to, uh, add to the charisma, add to um our love of her on the screen there and and uh she's just fantastic and i feel like while both of them make the the dance numbers look so effortless she i feel like she pulls it off just a little bit better than uh, ryan gosling even there's just something mm. breezy about her in in those scenes in a way um but uh yeah she's also able to bring the emotion um if she needs to um yeah, not to gush over. I'm a stone particularly, you know, <laughs> exclusively about that movie, because the, there's other aspects of the movie that's really good. A lot of people point to the last ten minutes of the movie, which I won't, I won't talk about, but that oh, really sells it. Got um, It Puts people right over the edge. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's um, that's a that's a great film. It's it's uh, easily one of the best movies. I think I put it on my best of the year at number uh one or two um it's definitely tied for me with Moonlight but um but La La Land is actually one of my favorites it's my number 10.
1: Yeah I like La La Land too it didn't make it to my list but I feel like watching Emma Stone throughout that whole film just really speaks to creatives
0: of all the different fields. Definitely definitely yeah So when
1: she's singing her, um, about the dreamers that dream, it's just, oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, so my number nine is Kuba and the Two Strings. This was just such a beautiful masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And I love this studio for what they, yes, yes. for what they stick to. And Mm. it's really their thing, you know? Yeah. And the music was just so gorgeous, and the story felt so original to me. I'm sure there's other stories like that out there, but it felt different. Mm-hmm. It felt so special.
0: Well, when you compare it to things like The Secret Life of Pets and other yes films out there, yeah, it is absolutely different.
1: <laughs> and it was just so nice mm-hmm. to see something about a family unit like that mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. And there's origami in it, and right, I'm a bit right. of a fan of origami, mm-hmm. and that was just beautiful. And the ending was just so powerful.
0: Yeah, we won't. We probably shouldn't. No, I won't say anything. Is, but yes, I agree.
1: But go ahead and watch it because mm-hmm. that ending just shows how humane and compassionate humans can be, mm-hmm. and how helpful they can be, mm-hmm. and it just shows the best of humanity in those last about, what, 10 minutes. Mm. So that's my number nine.
0: Awesome, awesome. Again, we may come back to that a little bit later. But my number nine is The Shallows, starring Blake Lively, which you haven't seen.
1: I'm um, not watching that. I'll never get back in the water, no. So uh, <laughs> The
0: Shallows is uh, about uh, a young woman who goes out on her own um, some uh, basically some sort of uh, personal journey essentially and uh, goes surfing in this cove that has personal resonance to her and she ends up getting trapped on uh, some coral because of a great white shark I'm telling you this is the best shark movie since Jaws it is probably easily <laughs> in the top 10 of man versus nature movies, which
1: is and why from, I won't watch it. Any girl from I, South Africa that <laughs> loves the beach is not going to play with that.
0: Right, right, <laughs> right. But yeah, Blake Lively. <laughs> I think uh, I didn't pay attention to her TV show, and I think it was um, what was it? Oh, she was in Gossip Girl. Oh, gotcha. Uh, several years back, I didn't pay attention to uh, to that, but. Uh, I saw her in Green Lantern in 2011. Not a good movie, but she was, um, she was fine in it. And it wasn't until um, a movie she did, Ben Affleck's The Town, oh, that, that I actually got really impressed by her. She's really good in The, in the Shallows. You You know, a movie like this, it's single location. It's one character 90% of the time. So the actress had better be damn good in order to carry the movie and she is uh she's got it and i was uh with her the entire way it's it's an edge of your seat thriller and it's a great time i i really it's a movie that i didn't expect much from i watched it and i found myself thinking about it a week later two weeks later to where i just i eventually just had to get the blu-ray so I, i got
1: it for you for christmas Black Friday is a great time to shop for DVDs. Is that what you got it? Yes. Yeah, from Best Buy that. and Target. Those are my favorites.
0: Yeah. So anyway, The Shallows, one Well, of
1: my we will just see how you do the next time we go visit South Africa and you get back in the ocean. that's that's that <laughs> not happen, especially
0: in those shark infested areas.
1: I remember my brother watched a shark movie and he refused to get in the bath for a good couple months. He showered, so he was still clean. <laughs> But that's how strong a shark movie can affect you. Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, what's your number eight?
1: Doctor Strange. Oh, Doctor Strange. So, not only am I a geek of superheroes, powerful abilities, but this touches a little on chakras and chi and that is something you can be powerful with if you practice it Mm. consciously enough, which I know at first he poo-poos it, but then it works out quite well for him doesn't it, when he (laughs) gets on board so it's very fun seeing a sort of arrogant surgeon, typical archetype learning to connect with himself Mm -hmm. and the energy of others around him it was quite a nice transformation Mm -hmm. and I love the visuals of course, it was like inception, high again for me
0: (laughs) yeah without necessarily like it didn't stop the movie it wasn't like oh we've been here before oh Um, no i love the use
1: of sacred geometry Mm. i felt that that gave it a nice kick of originality and it was very shiny inception was very it wasn't shiny inception was like well if this is real it's very there's grain to it there's you know I think I've said enough, but yeah. <laughs> that was. I cannot wait for the next one. And I loved the uh, cre- end credits pre- oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. preview, which yeah. of course yeah. I won't yeah. say anything about, but go check yeah. it out. It was really yeah. fun.
0: Yeah, Doctor Strange. Man, I somehow overlooked that one. That's an excellent choice. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And um, so cool to see on the big screen.
1: And again, we've got that on our Disney Movies Anywhere
0: app. Uh, yes. My number eight. I have to say, first of all, the thing about 2016 for me was there's so many damn good movies. Um, for reals, there was so many good movies. It was really hard for me to choose just 12 uh, favorites. Uh,
1: so hard. So hard. It so was. difficult. Yeah, it was,
0: it was <laughs> very difficult. She's referencing when um, we first met. She asked me what my favorite movie is. Well, it's it was definitely tough for 2016. And part of that is there's a lot of great animated movies that Mm. came out last year Mm -hmm. and so i i had to reorganize my list even because i realized this but first i wanted to bring up zootopia which is my number eight
1: Mm, i forgot about that one
0: such a, a great movie it's one of those movies that's on the one hand it so fits the american animated aesthetic of talking animals and uh fun you know uh, know, fun sense of humor and fun adventure but the great thing about zootopia is most animated american animated movies would stop with just that concept right Mm. um big city populated with animals oh it's you know it's like um animal versions of your favorite movies or whatever it is right Zootopia takes it even further and ends up really f- facing uh prejudice which that is uh you know in the year 2016 we had a year full of for whatever reason a lot of black people being shot or having issues with police officers and and it just became I know it was in no way intentional because you know it takes a couple of years for these animated movies to be scripted and, and, and made but it was just serendipitous in terms of it coming out last year in this time when people were realizing oh wow like for whatever reason right now racism is a serious issue and to have an animated film that families go to and pay money for, speaking to an issue as timely as that, where police are actually involved in the story, even, mm. that was really impressive and quite exceptional. So you take what's under the surface and you marry that with it's a really fun and smart and hilarious movie it is very smart (laughs) um there's there's I mean what's not to like so Zootopia is my number eight and it can be found right now on Netflix stream
1: oh yeah and it's really fun to watch while cooking like multitasking I just love hearing it, and I do love Shakira's song. I love hearing Shaki- Shakira. I know other I podcasts. I know other podcasts have talked about. Well, the choice of lyrics could have been better. Yeah, but you've got like three-year-olds watching this too, and they need to catch.
0: It's the- not the most offensively inane, <laughs> you know, song. So. No,
1: well, I mean, it gets me moving, yeah. so it's yeah. great, yeah. and I really loved all the movie references that they had in that mm. from the godfather oh, to okay. breaking bad mm. uh, because you know even though i was looking after two kids who weren't very exposed to movies mm-hmm. during my time as an au pair mm-hmm. i would still quote things to my boy and we were playing a round of uno and i would say oh the horror <laughs> Right. horror no and now. you know he has no Before idea decide, apocalypse now, yeah right? <laughs> and he has no idea and so the day that he finally gets to watch that movie I'm going to have a very fun conversation with him I'm sure <laughs>
0: awesome what's your number seven
1: on? my number seven is Moonlight oh
0: wow really? Mm-hmm. oh excellent
1: so that was a favorite of mine I love the story. I love how they told it. I love it when you look at a person in the beginning of their life, in the middle, and a little bit when they're more of an adult. Mm. And I have never been exposed to that particular kind of content through film. What it's like to be an African-American boy from a poor household, from a mother who is not very present with him. It turns out that he's gay, so that adds a new element to it. I remember a photography project. Um, I cannot remember the photographer, so if anyone out there knows, she had photographed um, black women in South Africa mm. who were lesbians mm. and how it's something that they hide. Mm. So I just think that that was really interesting. And he's doing his best to really just keep alive. Mm. There are so many moments in that movie where he could have died. Mm or faced really, really terrible danger, Mm -hmm. and how circumstances can occur and what that results in and how that's affected the adult he has become. I want to see more of that. Mm -hmm. I want to see the things that we don't have movies about. I knew that this film deserved the Oscar, so when they at first announced La La Land, I was just so gut-wrenched and heartbroken oh Oh, i was so pissed i was ever so pissed so Mm. when they fixed their mistake i was like (laughs) thank goodness because really they deserve the oscar their cinematography was really good Mm. i enjoyed that movie it's not a movie i'm gonna watch every month Mm -hmm. but i felt like that was a real masterpiece and a really good addition to the film world
0: yeah, definitely. It was definitely, in my opinion, it just it just edged out La La Land as the best movie of the year. You know, you have La La Land, which is more of a populist sort of thing, and probably the best populist film of the year. And then you have Moonlight, which it's not the funnest night at the movies, but it's also not going to depress you necessarily. You're not going to feel really... Well, down. I think
1: it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. I think we do have to preface it with that. It's really yeah, going to depend. But,
0: I mean, like, okay, like, uh, uh Schindler's List is is going to be a hard, you know, night at the movies, you know? I don't necessarily think Moonlight is is that... Uh, it doesn't drag you through the coals, let's say, in its content, and I think that's one of the things that's impressive about it. But mm. uh, it didn't make my list of favorites, but it is definitely is definitely a great choice. And how it deals with identity, mm-hmm. we, oh, it does. It deals with so many things in the most subtle and opposite of on the nose ways. Uh, it, it is a really impressive achievement uh, in storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a great great choice I and mean, I'm very impressed to see it on your favorites well, so far
1: huh? and we paired that at the movie night we paired Moonlight with going to go and see La La Land afterwards so that if it was going to affect oh, us yeah. <laughs> if it was going to affect us deeply and make us a little that. depressed we yeah. were going to watch La La Land to pull us back up
0: yeah yeah and I don't know about you but I didn't necessarily feel that it ended up being that, that way like other movies that, that we've seen it definitely
1: um, made me think. What is your number seven?
0: My number seven is Moana. Ah, oh, lovely. Um, I, it's just, you know, right there with Zootopia, I, the difference is, well, Moana, I don't think it is speaking to any timely issues that are of national importance or what have you, like I feel like Zootopia does. Mm. But it is the best thing damn disney musical since uh the lion king in my estimation Mm. i don't think like while disney has done a pretty damn good job the past uh nine years working their way up in quality movie after movie starting with bolt i don't think they've made a film uh, quite as solid in terms of a musical uh, like moana I mean, those songs are just amazing. Just so good, those songs. And the character herself, Moana, this is no Disney princess. Oh, and she saying? doesn't
1: like being referred to as a princess either.
0: Right. You know, it gets self-aware in terms of, of that at many moments. Uh, she's just a really, like, standing on her own two feet, solid character. I feel like in Disney's past, there's been characters that have had elements and shades of this. Belle Mm. being a really good example. Oh, she's my
1: favorite.
0: Yeah. But ultimately, you know, their stories are always about marrying somebody, right?
1: Finding their love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their opposite sex.
0: Love. That's not the case with Moana. No, it's about her own personal journey as an individual. But it's also
1: about her people. Yes, that's she true. wants to save her people and her island.
0: Yes, but it's it's a self discovery story, and I think it's one of the best written stories that uh, Disney's created in quite some time in their animated studio. And so, yeah, it's it's uh, my number seven.
1: Well, my number six is Hidden Figures.
0: Oh, okay. I.
1: Love seeing highly intelligent women on the movie screen. I especially love actresses portraying real highly intelligent women who made real important moments in history happen on the screen. Seeing these strong actresses, oh my gosh, Octavia Spencer, I love her, <laughs> was just a powerhouse of female empowerment, mm. um, especially African-American woman empowerment. Mm-hmm. I want to see more African-Americans on the movie screen. Mm -hmm. What I mean by empowerment is the word empowerment does get used frequently, but it's because we're coming to this empowering age Mm. where the depiction and the role of woman is changing rapidly. Mm -hmm. And when a young girl gets to see a woman on screen doing something like helping bring an astronaut back home without catching fire and dying through handwritten math calculations, she's going to see a possible future self for her. These young girls are looking at the TV and they're like, who could I be? Who could I be? It's like shopping. Mm. They're shopping for who they could possibly be. Mm. And it's so important that we show them different strong roles because they can be strong. I'm tired of seeing the damsel in distress. And I know we haven't seen that for quite a while, quite a few years, but that's what I grew up with. So they get this idea stuck in their head that they could become this person. Mm -hmm. And when we see it, we believe it's possible. We have to see women in different character roles. There's a reason we have the term strong female character. It's because there weren't very many for such a long time on the screen. And it's especially important to have non-white strong female roles on the screen too. We need to see that everyone is capable.
0: Awesome. Well, I got to see Hidden Figures. I was afraid it was going to be the help in space. And no. and uh, from, by all accounts, <laughs> it, is, it is not that. So I'm looking forward to checking it, that out. Mm-hmm. My number six is 10 Cloverfield Lane. So
1: I'm smiling very big right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that uh, for a while, that was my number one movie of the year. It's probably the first great movie of the year because mm-hmm. uh, it came out at the beginning. 16 and it was just awesome i'm aware of the the director dan trachtenberg because he used to do a video podcast that i was aware of back in 2010 called the totally rad show okay very cool guy and i know since that show ended he's been trying to work on his movie career he did a, a short film based on voltron which was interesting. Oh, um,
1: that does sound interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, and at one point he was attached to make the Why the Last Man movie, which never happened, <sighs> and has been in development for about ten years now. He would have been awesome. Are to we getting it that. now? Mm, I don't know. Oh, uh, that's I unfortunate. It's still, you know, it's turnaround. So this is his debut. This is the first thing that came out, and it was a secret project. And it was one of those movies that you don't want to say too much about mm-hmm. when it came out, you know? You really hope that the trailers didn't actually give too much um, away, too. And it ended up giving us a great female character. I think that's one of the strengths mm-hmm. of 2016 is you had a, quite a handful of a really great female Characters. Moana uh, is one that I mentioned. You just mentioned hidden fake characters. And that's three.
1: If you include the background characters, I'm sure we push it up to like 20. Okay, well, here
0: you have a central character who is fully developed and she has her own arc where she's, uh, she's always running from things and not facing whatever conflict or issue that she's faced with. And she finds herself in a situation that challenges that and Mary Elizabeth Winstead is just fantastic in it and she becomes I think she she's another great addition to the sci-fi action Emerald one ultimately
1: oh that's a really great point she should come yeah. to Comic Con please come to Comic Con <laughs> the Emerald City one we'd yes. love to see you
0: so 10 Cloverfield Lane is available now on Hulu and that's my number 6
1: ah oh, yes the Hidden Figures is available for rent just about anywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: so we're on number 5 my number 5 is Moana I thought this was a fantastic musical but most importantly it's about a young female leader she doesn't want to be referred to as a princess and she is struggling to be true to herself do the best for her people respect and act on her purpose the best part of this story is Moana's development and growth as a leader and acceptance of herself And because of that struggle that she goes through, there's this pivotal moment in the movie that occurs where she recognizes another character not remembering who she is and not connecting with who she is, and she's able to turn everything around because of that struggle she had, which is such a great power for women when they've been through something, even girls, when they've been through something that was... A particular struggle or challenge they're able to recognize it in others and they're able to support each other in it and bring you know that woman back up or that girl back up so the visuals are just breathtaking the scars yeah. the water the colors there's pink in there like you've never seen pink before <laughs> there's purple there's blue i'm getting really basic here but it just makes me want to go there and enjoy my life <laughs> I'm going to go retire there (laughs) and I just felt like it was such a wonderful film and I get teared up every time she finds her power, connects to her power. So that's my number five. What is yours?
0: That is is awesome. My number five is a movie that I feel like didn't get talked enough uh, about in the end of the year and it really surprised me and that's Hunt for the Wilder People which is uh, directed by Taika Waititi. Uh, he's a Kiwi director. Uh, he did uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the vampire comedy.
1: From this was movie. a fantastic film.
0: Yeah, and it stars Sam Neill. And I don't know the teenager's uh, name, but for those who don't know, it's basically about a troubled uh, youth who goes into a foster home, and then the foster mom dies, and one thing leads to another, and the, the foster father, played by Sam Neill and the teenager on the, on the run, in the woods. This movie is hilarious. It is fun. It also sometimes is a bit moving, and I was really surprised how it seemed to almost have been forgotten by the end of the year. It's one of those movies I feel is like underseen, and I definitely would champion this film. It's uh, it's mm. definitely worth seeking out. As a matter of fact. Uh, you can easily do so because it is available also on hulu oh that's
1: great yeah. i thought that that was actually from 2015 so it's in my 2015 list <laughs> Oh, <not anymore.
0: laughs> but i
1: have to agree the sense of it's there's nothing better than seeing the sense of humor from another culture mm, yeah. and you will get people in that culture speaking like that i'm not saying that that's how everyone speaks but mm. the Is it the police officer? No, the child.
0: Well, yeah, the child protection service. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh gosh, you really do hear people speak like that, and it's hilarious.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's not the uh, kindest or sweetest, uh, or brightest spark. Right, right, yeah. You know, yeah, she's the one that's driving the chase. Yes, she's
1: a little. She's misunderstanding the situation completely, Mm. (laughs) but it's super fun to watch and hilarious. Now if you're like me you will need to know this there is a dog in that movie oh. and that dog does pass away so I'm saving all the people Smilers. well I'd rather let them know because when I don't know it's coming I chunk and I the just is, uh, with tears chunk yeah. with tears and I'm uncontrollably sobbing and then I hate the movie but <laughs> if you tell me that it's coming and that everything's going to be okay yeah. I will then be okay so, I honestly had yeah. no
0: idea it was coming and I was a bad guy for about five minutes um, when we watched the movie. I
1: think that was the worst part mm-hmm. of that movie. Um, yeah. At any
0: rate. Anyway. What is your number four?
1: Oh, my goodness. It was 20th Century Woman, and we've already oh. talked about that, but I totally geeked about the photographer and seen the different books. I had just learned about our bodies ourselves, so when I saw it, I was like oh my gosh, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, the inspired. 70s was so cool for uh, female, you know, evolution. Feminism. Yeah. yeah. Feminism for female history. I mean, did you know that the home pregnancy test only became available in the 70s in America and Europe?
0: I think it was, in, they say it was invented in 1974 or something. Mm-hmm. Know, and
1: it took two hours to give you an answer, which is better than going to the doctor, I guess, but two hours you had to wait now you just pee on a One stick hands and on
0: too, it, seems. it was
1: very complicated anyway, anyway. anyway. but I, I truly loved how they talked about their bodies about menstruation and how they were trying to normalize it at the dinner table and get people to be comfortable with that word, mm-hmm. I'm becoming comfortable with that word recently mm-hmm. I'm saying it in front of people and I'll shock Jeff occasionally but it's our bodies and yeah. we need to be comfortable with it and so do the men around us so does everyone around us they need to be comfortable with our bodies and what they do so that was my number 4 <laughs> that
0: was definitely a movie that you know we just caught up with it and I would have probably included in my top 10 of the year had I been able to see it before the end of the year so that's that's a great choice my number 4 it's actually the movie that I'd probably um, incidentally be booted off in my top ten uh, because of 20th Century Woman, but I really was taken with it's a Swiss Army Man.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned this one, Paul Dano
0: and <laughs> uh, Daniel Radcliffe. It's you know the 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 buzzword on what it is is it is that farting corpse movie. And, yeah, okay, that's what it, that's an element of it. Uh, it's a strong element of it. But really, what the movie is about is a guy who's suicidal, who finds he's trying to convince a corpse that life is worth living. And that is a really freaking like, intriguing premise. You know, on a character standpoint, an emotional standpoint and such... And it's a really clever movie because what the directors, the Daniels, they go by the names, the Daniels. Um, what they end up doing is they take, okay, they take farting, which I think was the genesis of the whole idea of the movie, um, the farting chorus They take farting and they realize farting is actually something that can be uh, somewhat embarrassing when it happens. It can also be something that you do with the people you're most comfortable with, you know? Like, you just don't care, and then you just do it, you know, to let it loose. And it, it, so it really well, it is healthier of... to let it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's, it, they made it a nice little allegory for love
1: mm. and intimacy.
0: You no, know, on the surface, it sounds absolutely ridiculous, but this movie makes it work, and the performances of Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe make it work and the last 20 minutes of the movie are just like are just really great i, I it, they just twist your perception of things in a little bit and it really it really makes you question certain things i won't go into right now so uh swiss army man i really enjoyed that that is my number four movie and it's available right now on amazon prime What is your number
1: three? My number three is Bad Moms. It's pretty high up there.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I haven't seen you get so excited about a movie while watching it in a long time. Yeah. Ever, actually. My
1: next two films, I got very freaking excited about when I saw them.
0: Is there anything uh, you want to say about Bad Moms? Oh,
1: absolutely. I just, each time, I really want to speak to the cinema experience Mm -hmm. because, yes, this is a fantastic film and... Just to clarify, it's not about a mom that's, ne- you know, it's not about moms that neglect their children. It's right. the complete opposite. It's right. about moms that are trying so hard to be the best for their kids. Yes. And for other moms, they're trying to be the best mom they can be. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to clarify that.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, they get so fed up with the day-to-day struggle of being a mom that they rebel against it. Uh, uh temporarily right
1: i don't think that's accurate you don't think that's accurate? i think that's what i'm trying to not say <laughs> you don't think so? i I feel, like like... I feel like they break loose i feel like they break loose um this could have been this could have gone down differently instead of what they did to break loose they could have gone to the spa you know but it's <laughs> okay. a movie and it needs to be entertaining right. and if i could have done what they did i know the two friends that i went with the three of us would have gone and done the exact same thing. But that's frowned upon. So um, (laughs) it's not that bad. You Mm -hmm. must check it out. Whenever I see the moms in this movie overcome a challenge, Mm -hmm. I jump up and down hysterically and I cheer them on Mm -hmm. because I so get where they're coming from. I'm not just a stepmom. I'm also a nanny. Mm -hmm. And I've been a nanny to a total of hmm, about seven or eight kids. So I've been yeah. exposed to different children mm-hmm. and I've seen different struggles and challenges. But I want to speak about the cinema experience. This was a movie night for us girls and the three of us got in there and there were lots of different women there. Um, about half the cinema was filled. This was a couple of weeks after its release. Mm-hmm. There was everyone from moms to grandmas to grandmas with their daughters with their teenage daughters so there were all these different relationships happening in the cinema and as the film was playing I think everybody got a chance to respond to what was happening in that film and every time someone in the audience responded to it the whole audience laughed not only at what the moment was on the film but also what the audience's responses were I know there's one time where I was just pissed and I said, I beg your pardon, which Jeff knows. <laughs> Jeff knows that when I'm saying that, you better apologize very quickly, fix your attitude, and I'm just checking to see if you want to take back what you just said. Oh, right, right, right. This is your opportunity to make it right because you messed up big right. time.
0: And it has a talent, so I can imagine it was pretty
1: funny <laughs> in the theater. Yeah. Well yeah, and so I had said I beg your pardon and everybody laughed and it was so fun so it was a really nice sisterhood of motherly figures together awesome. awesome what is your number three?
0: Oh gosh my number three is rogue one a star wars story
1: oh my god and... i didn't put that in
0: <laughs> oh wow that is really surprising you know in terms of favorites i think in part uh, in, uh, in terms of actual movie experiences the experience of going to see the movie what that was like and you know this was the first spin off of the main Skywalker saga mm. it's not it's not supposed to be a part of the Skywalker saga you know since it's, it's using it as a way to spin off and ultimately be able to see if they could create other spin off Star Wars movies mm. uh but I didn't get as emotional as I was with The Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. Wait until we speak about 2015. uh, But Guess (laughs) what our number one's going to be. You know, I was really impressed with how well they pulled it off. I knew going into it, they needed to introduce a whole new set of characters and make you care uh, about those characters and care what happens to them. And they pulled it off. People might say, Jyn Erso is my favorite, you know, and... Uh, which is really impressive to have kind of a bottle episode, so to speak, of a movie and be able to create characters that people will actually be able to point out favorites and really enjoy, you know? And so, yeah, it was it was a great, great time. It was a great uh, experience, and I loved it. Uh, mm. So it's my number three.
1: We also doubled this one. We watched Milana first, and then we watched...
0: Good memory, yeah.
1: We watched Rogue. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, My number two, I'm yeah. so freaking excited, is Ghostbusters. I loved this movie, but awesome. I'm going to be specific. I loved the uncut version oh, of yes, this the movie. Version on so the, let right. me just mm-hmm. clarify that. Don't even bother watching the cut version. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. It won't make sense. You can tell when they cut things out. But back to the positives. <laughs> <laughs> I have been waiting a very long time to see female Ghostbusters. I'm the girl that had Ghostbusters as her imaginary friends. Not because I didn't have a good imagination. My imagination's fine. It's not broken. But I loved the Ghostbusters so much. And so when this finally came, I was just so excited. They're my all-time heroes.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: It was really wonderful seeing women in this role for a change, kick-ass proving paranormal existence through science heroines, and they are all really funny, and they all get along with each other really well. So the only issue I had was the cinema viewing, so the cut version. It took out pieces of the film that really... There was only one character that they cut out that it made sense to do that. And that was a boyfriend character.
0: Wasn't that the only character that was cut out? Yes. But
1: then there were other scenes that were cut out that really helped explain where the film was going. And um, that really irritated me. But when I saw the uncut version, I was like, yes, yes, thank you. Thank you so much. The movie just makes more sense when you watch that version.
0: It does. Yeah, I really feel like there's there's something like 14 minutes of extra footage in the extended cut. And I don't feel like it needed all 14 minutes. I I feel like sometimes it drags the jokes out a little too long. But you're absolutely right. There are things that should have been left in there. Yeah. Like, I for like instance,
1: that. when, you know, the Ghostbusters are together, they're talking about how important it is to protect the barrier right. and the bad guys trying to break the barrier. Right. And you can try and fill in your own interpretations and understand it. But it's great hearing them talk about how important it is to protect the barrier.
0: Well, it makes more sense and they, they because it also has a reference to crossing the streams, which yes, one of the biggest my issues, favorite. Yeah, one of the biggest issues of the movie is how much fan service is in the movie, but that's one that should have stayed in. Mm-hmm. Because it was actually relevant to the third act mm-hmm. of the movie.
1: Um, and I love the humorous approach they had on life. Mm. And whenever something creepy happened, how they dealt with it is how I deal with creepy things happening mm. now. Um, the door had opened and it was supposed to be sealed and shut. This and is in
0: the beginning of the movie. Yes.
1: And so she looks over and she looks forward and she says, good day. And she carries on walking, right, which right. was fantastic. Right. <laughs> and you know watching my stepson's face when the first ghost appeared the ghosts do appear to be scarier in this film i feel and yeah. watching his face freak out was yeah. he screamed it was hilarious they um, definitely
0: at least up there with the librarian ghost of the original uh, movie which i found to be pretty scary well and i
1: love how they fan girl i love that when they see that first ghost she's gorgeous there's nothing scary about her at first, mm. and she then puts her scariness on. Mm. But when they see how beautiful she is, Melissa McCartney's like, "Oh my god, I love you! You're so beautiful," which is what any fangirl would say to each other, okay. you know. So I loved that, and okay. my I guess my favorite part, I I loved the cameos. I really did. I um, wasn't that sold on. I know we if you weren't that. a fan, yeah. but I I loved how they put a very super high-IQ scientist as Holtzman's mentor, and I felt that that was fantastic, turning Sigourney Weaver from victim to someone of high intelligence, and I just Mm. thought that was beautiful. Mm. And my favorite action scene was when Holtzman fights the ghosts. This is the person responsible for making their gear, her babies. And she pulls out a new weapon, and she just kills all the ghosts yeah. and she's on fire and the music amps up and I'm like Jeff got a fright the first time I think when I did this I was like and that's what you get when you put a female in this position you get to get really amped up and you get to see how strong they are and her line is you just got Holtzman which I keep yeah. saying now
0: yeah I, I, I couldn't blame you because you, you definitely got uh, pumped during that sequence and I that's probably the one scene in the whole movie where I get really pumped and it's really awesome mm. she's the standout character for me in the whole movie Gosh, and, she's brilliant well, and she just kicks ass in that moment and it's mm-hmm. it's just I don't know for some reason I just got kind of overwhelmed with the awesomeness of that sequence so, oh I love it yeah. and
1: I'll rewind it when I'm watching it on my computer because I'm like she's so amazing I want to be her <laughs> you know I something fun and playful uh, Jeff found this somewhere on the internet so I don't know who to give credit to but who was the more stupid character of the year and it was between Hey Hey from Moana the chicken and it was uh from the secretary in Ghostbusters
0: Oh, and Kevin, yeah. I don't yes, Kevin. Where that article was,
1: but yeah. But I I agreed that Kevin was probably a little more stupid, and um, hey hey, he kind of at least had a sense of the fact that he was stuck in the middle of the ocean when he realized that happened. Yeah. Whereas Kevin will ring a huge dong symbol and then he'll just cover his eyes instead of his ears. Because it was loud. So yeah, yeah. okay, what is your number two? All right,
0: so my number two is Kubo and the Two Strings.
1: Ah, that's awesome.
0: Laika is Portland-based animation company. They've done Boxtrolls. Um, they did Coraline. Coraline, thank mm-hmm. you. I couldn't remember the name. They did Coraline, and they did. I think Paranorman. I've only seen, I haven't seen Boxtrolls, but they've always been really great in the stop-motion realm. They're basically America's answer to Aardman. Um, just less wacky, per se. Uh, more straightforward in their stories for uh, families and kids. A little bit darker. I haven't loved any of their movies until Kubo on the Two streams
1: came I out. loved Coraline. When I
0: saw Kubo, though, that was very clearly an experience. It did a, a tremendous job not only treating its audience as intelligent people, and trusting them to go along with the story and trusting the trusting the audience that the audience will trust that everything will be explained to them at some point Mm. not everything has to make sense immediately Mm -hmm. but also the integration of japanese culture and japanese Mm. legend is not something you see in american films let alone american animated animated films uh very often and it was just really great on a conceptual level but also the animation was just absolutely stunning and impressive it was so perfect yes i think kubo is a great character as well too and uh his little i can't remember the name of the instrument but his ability with the instrument is is pretty awesome you're right, the score is fantastic I love mm. the score It was just one of those movies That you walk away from And you're like, wow, I, I really just experienced something mm. um, And I don't think it got n- enough credit for- I don't think so either Yeah, it um, actually didn't even It didn't do very well Unfortunately in the theaters It did very uh, I think it made back its budget And that was about it I could be wrong there um, and that's greatly unfortunate because rather than going to see Despicable Me three thousand or whatever, people <laughs> should be going to see movies like Kubo and the Two Strings. Yes, it's really special. That was so. That's my so second breathtaking. favorite movie of the year. What is your number one movie of twenty?
1: It is Arrival.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> oh,
1: wow. I am, of course, a huge lover of sci-fi movies, mm-hmm. and I'm a h- even bigger fan of non-linear storytelling. Mm. This is a movie best left undescribed, but I will say it's different. It's not like other sci-fi movies I've seen. Mm-hmm. I love seeing the characters. Mm-hmm. I loved the female character mm-hmm. who Good is Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Yeah. She is fantastic. Oh
2: yeah, yeah.
1: And again, this was really a year for intellectual, strong female Absolutely, characters. Right yeah. Because she is a language professor. Yeah. And linguistics. Uh, yeah. Linguistics, yes. And um, the military needs her help to...
0: Yeah, you don't get that very often. You won't get that in a... Now, um, they don't say it like that. No, well, I mean, yes and no. You see it. You definitely see it. The military comes to a linguistics professor. Well, yes. But to, then they also
1: say to her... So they come to her and say, um, can you figure this out? Right. And she can't because she's not there. She needs certain things to be able to analyze what this language is. Sure. And the man.
0: Forest Whitaker.
1: Yeah, he says to her, oh, we're going to go to so-and-so. And, of course, yeah. it's a man. Right. And she says, well, you're going to have to ask what this particular phrase is in this particular yeah, language
0: yeah, as a test, yeah, as a test and yeah.
1: I just thought that was so gutsy I was like oh my god I could never say that but maybe I could now that I've seen you do it <laughs> and um yeah, I loved
0: not something you would get in a, a Michael Bay movie, no right <laughs> we'd,
1: um, we'd get something completely yeah, different you gonna
0: save the world or make first contact with linguistics a female linguistics that's professor it. right yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I know that they're out there. I know of a girl, she is going into university next year and she wants to study linguistics. Mm. So that's very exciting. I love seeing that woman. She reminds me that I can do anything, that I can, yes, that I just need to take it slow sometimes and I'll be able to come to an understanding of what my next move is. Mm -hmm. I love the cinematography. It was great how they contrasted the different parts of the story through the use of color. They had very cool blues in the beginning and then every now and again they'd bring in this really overwhelming, sickening yellow light. Mm. And so that was, I always appreciate that. And then they'd go from sterile environment to organic. That was really fun and the lighting was amazing and changed throughout the film. The soundtrack really works well with this movie. And I say with this movie because I listened to it by itself and I started getting creeped out.
0: That's the score by Johan Johansson, who's mm-hmm. uh, fantastic. He did the score for Sicario also. Oh, yes.
1: Again, I also knew what was happening before it was revealed. <laughs> so, because I'm such a fan of nonlinear storytelling. yeah, And so I knew what was going to happen mm, because I'm that. such a, a fan of nonlinear storytelling. I can usually anticipate what this wh- where they're going. So that was my favorite, and I got to watch it the other night, and I said to Jeff, please, can we watch it? And he was like, um, okay, sure. And I was like, yes! Yes, 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 yeah. Okay, what yeah. is your number one?
0: My favorite movie of 2016 is Captain America Civil War.
1: Oh, that's Just funny.
0: Talking again in terms of what movie gave me the, the best movie-going experience and i just absolutely loved captain america civil war is it hands down i mean it's a movie that you hear about before it comes out and you're like oh how are they going to do that and you go back and look at the comic story that it's based on You're like oh my gosh are they going to oh yes uh, what characters are they introduced all these characters what characters are going to be in there um who's against who how are they going to do this? And the idea, I mean, it's a very childlike um, excite level of excitement, you know, seeing superheroes fighting superheroes. There is just something inherently cool about that. Because um, <laughs> everybody fan, should
1: fight. I'm kidding. <laughs> well,
0: no, but you know what I It mean, is interesting you know, to see
1: just, that strength against yeah, strength.
0: But also, like, I know that they they also carefully planned they're going to do the, the fighting um, between you know who's going to actually have more than just a physical stake in this game but actually have like um, motivation why they're on a particular side um, when they're clashing against a particular superhero why is it that that's happening I know that they went on to all that detail and that's really awesome that adds to it for sure but, dude, that airport sequence, <laughs> that is the biggest geekgasm of the year. And there if you haven't seen it yet, I don't know what you're waiting for, but there is a surprise <laughs> in the middle of that sequence that blows your freaking mind oh yeah that was awesome. beautiful and on top of that you got spider-man really well introduced in this movie
1: and um, i love how they writ-, writ him
0: they wrote him very mm-hmm. well played by uh tom holland who's kind of an up-and-coming actor and he you know a lot of people feel like that is the best spider-man um and i i totally i i, I hear them it's, he's awesome he's hilarious they do a great job with his physicality and what he can do with his powers. And, and also, more than the spectacle of the movie, well, maybe not more, because the spectacle is really what made it one of my favorite movies of the year. And that's such an awesome experience. But they really drove it with character development. These are movies that, or these are characters that you've been following probably for. Um, you know it's eight years at that point and how many Mm. movies in that time Uh,
1: too many you know
0: a dozen movies i think have featured these characters and um, you basically have a story where their alliances their friendships are falling apart and uh, you have a villain that facilitates that and is one of the cleverest uh, villains ever in the marvel series How the movie resolves is fantastic. Also, I won't spoil it, but it is not shiny, happy rainbows um, all around. And I think the movie is better for that. As it's exciting, it makes me excited about what's coming next. I can't wait for Infinity War, uh, which comes out next year, I think. And it's partially because this movie, which definitely hits. Uh, is able to make the the series avoid feeling familiar and tired and it's just awesome it's my favorite movie of uh, 2016 so those are our favorite movies of 2016 um that wraps up our film faves segment and is going to do it for our show this week you can find me at thegibsonreview.com you can email any questions comments Responses you have to this um, episode, any maybe help, helpful tips um, on recording? Uh, Just be to, kind, right? Be <laughs> kind. But so you can email to uh, thegibsonreview at gmail dot com. You can also find me on Facebook at the Gibson Review, and if you're on Flickchart, you can find me there and and see my uh, all the thousands of movies I've seen at the Gibson Ninety Nine. Uh, Shanna, where can people find you?
1: People can find me at Shannapaxton.com. That's S H A N N A P A X T O N dot com. And you can find me on Instagram. My profile is womans with an A because focusing on a single woman. Underscore journey underscore two underscore empowerment. And
0: that's T O, not the number two.
1: Yeah, I'm not hip anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you like this episode, please join us for our next episode in a couple weeks. We'll be talking about our movie-going habits and etiquette. Hope to uh, see you then. Thank you for tuning in to our first episode ever of the Movie Lovers. Bye bye. Are out.